We've been in the book of Philippians for a couple of Sundays, and we're on kind of in the middle of chapter two. Uh, we've kind of picked up on a theme, at least I have, and that which has to do with attitude that Paul had in his imprisonment. As you remember, the first part of the letter deals with the confidence. Paul was expressing that he had confidence in his God, the thing that he began in you. He's talking, speaking to the, to the people in Philippi that he touched and, and to the gospel. Now he's, now he's in prison, not able to get there. If you can imagine the feelings that he probably was going through, not able to get to his people, that he believed that God would, have to, would take care of his people. And so God is bigger than us, man. God is bigger, sometimes distance from your, your loved ones, sometimes distance, things that are out of your control. We have to give to God because we can't do it. We're only limited. We're only, we're only human, but by the grace of God, God does what he does, and he does it well. God loves people more than we could ever imagine. God loves your, your family. God loves your loved ones more than you could ever imagine. He is for you. And though we get into this attitude, this, this, whole, this whole idea that uh, Chuck Swindoll said it's something like this, that 90% is what happens to you. I know, 90% is our attitude, but 10% is what, whatever, 90%. I get this mixed up, so it's an attitude, whatever. Things happen, but you can't change them, but your attitude can change. Okay, so we're... We're about faith. And many times our faith is stretched, tested. We're challenged. And when we thought what we were going to be doing, sometimes it went, it went 180 degree turn. God has a way of saying, here I am. I'm in the midst. Even in the storms, there's an eye. You think of a hurricane season, it's not yet, but it's, there's an eye in a hurricane that was calm. Isn't that a likeness to our God? Because things are going on around us. Things are sometimes crazy and overwhelming, yet our God is the God of peace. And it's oftentimes we hear God, we hear more God in the quiet times when we get ourselves alone with God, get into his word, or just begin to sit and think about him and think of all the blessings that he has already been to us, and we begin to see his peace. You know what? I may not have to know it all, but I need his peace. When I have his peace, I know there's, there's, some, there's something good that's going to come out of it. So whatever we may be facing today. So this whole attitude that Paul has, he described it, a Christ-like attitude, which in and we read it in the second chapter about the attitude that is in, our, in your son, which was also in Christ Jesus, who was God, came out of heaven, Christ giving up his, uh, all the glory that he had in heaven and came to the earth. It's almost like he chose to become human. <coughs> Yet he remained God and never sinned. But he was tempted. What makes our God so unique and wonderful as he understands temptation? 
He understands pain. He understands rejection. He understands setbacks. He understands change. He understands seasons. All the stuff that you and I wonder about, our Lord knows exactly how we think. And he says, trust me. Believe in me. And so we read about not being a grumbler in the 14th verse of the 2nd chapter. And we mentioned just a bit about how the Israelites, and this fits in with Vern's uh, teaching on Wednesdays that we're following the, the exodus to uh, the, the deliverance of the Israel. And I said your line last Sunday. What was it? It was this, something like this. It took one day for God to get children of Israel out of Egypt. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of children of Israel. And then it came from Vern. I heard that on a Wednesday night. And that was good. That's a, that's a good way of thinking about it. What is God doing with us? Why are you doing this to me? More often what God is doing is building our character. He's interested in who you are. He's developing your strength. He's developing his gifts. Oh boy, patience is a tough one, isn't it? Patience. Unselfishness. Being totally, brutally honest before God. Living with a passion, believing that God sees all is with you at all times. And it's not that we live with a paranoia, but we live with this understanding, no matter what happens today, what comes against me, that the Lord himself is with me. And so I appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate those who have served in military, I mentioned a bit earlier. But Paul, in this chapter, this text, describes a man whose name is Timothy. And then there's another man, Epaphroditus, if you can say that word three times in a row without tripping, you're doing pretty well. So Timothy was like Paul's son. He was, Paul ministered to him, mentored him, trained him, encouraged him. Paul wrote letters. That's why we have first and second Timothy and described to Timothy that you're, you have it in you. You have the way we laid our hands on you. We prayed for you. We've seen your kindred spirit. You're, don't, don't let uh, your youth hinder you from being what God has called you. In fact, God wants to use youth and he'll use children. He wants to raise up a generation who will take their, their generation for Christ. And so I'm going to start about verse 19, read a little bit, and then we'll comment. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I may be encouraged when I learn of your condition, for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. This is the interesting phrase, because I have no one else. It's almost like there, there, it's a rare thing to have someone that will soldier or shoulder with you for the cause of Christ. 
And then this word kindred. What does that mean, kindred? It's almost like there's a like-mindedness. There's a, there's, there's a connection going on that is in the spirit, that we're on the same page, that they're working together, that their, ca- their cause is to, is to bring together the will of God. And notice the word genuine. There's no one else who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ. I don't know who they were, but apparently there were others that were trying to do harm to the church. And he speaks to those people a bit in the third chapter. And they were of kind of a false faith. They were known as beware of the dogs, verse 2, chapter 3. Back up now to... We're describing Timothy. Verse 22, but you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. How many of you guys grew up in a farm or something that maybe you learned to work with your dad and you served as a child serving his father? That's a beautiful picture. That's not a father abusing his son, but that is a son choosing to serve his father. Let me just, um, kind of a little bit of my own bringing up on the farm. So dad would, took a second job to make both ends meet. Being on a mink ranch, prices weren't always what they were, could have been, or had have been. Kind of like farm in general. Prices are up and down. So you don't know from year to year, and on a, and a meat farm was kind of like a beef farmer. You had one, per, pretty much one check for the whole year. And so what happened, ends couldn't be met, so dad took a night job, along with all the work that needed to be done on the farm. So I remember I probably was fifth, sixth grade, getting old enough to do some things around the farm. So he turned me loose. He said, you know, if you want to help, and I was interested in helping him. And I was out of school, so I didn't want to sit around in the summer. I'd be up early, and I'd be doing the feeding thing, and I'd be doing the mixing thing and preparing the food uh, for the animals. And what really made me happy, if I could make my dad happy. And sometimes I'd get, he'd come home early, you know, like about, mm, Sometimes it would be about nine, ten-ish, because he'd be working nights, and I'd have most of the chores done. And I felt so good, because he could go rest. I felt valuable. And so kids, young peoples, it's a blessing to serve. It's a blessing to help out your parents. It's a blessing to help out needs. It's a blessing to help out toward missionaries, causes, whatever it takes, put yourself into it. And so we have a young man, Timothy, who has actually proven that he is trustworthy. This guy has earned the right to be heard. He has earned the respect. And so now by this time, Paul is looking forward 
to hearing a good report as he sends this letter. He, he's hoping that it'll be a good report. And so I, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go. I notice how he says, as soon as I see how things go with me. In other words, we don't know how it's always going to work out. After all, Paul was in prison. He don't know when he's going to get out. Sometimes we're in life. We don't know how it's all going to work out. But guess what? God does. And you're trusting him. You're putting your faith in him. You're doing what he's called you to do. You're being what he's called you to be. You keep doing the thing that's in front of you. You take care of what God has given you to take care of, and you honor the Lord through that way. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. In other words, it was this sense and attitude that I, I'm, going to, I'm going to trust in the Lord, that I myself also shall be coming shortly. In other words, I want to be there too. I want to see you as well. I want to be a part of your life. But in the meantime, I'm going to send to you this guy named Epaphroditus. Don't know much about him, but he is mentioned in verse 25, a brother, my brother and fellow worker, fellow soldier. Notice how Paul gets in on this a concept of military. A soldier for Christ. In other words, when you're a soldier for Christ, you go to another person who is above you who gives the command. And so as a soldier in Christ, we're not marching to our own command. Amen? We're marching to the orders of Christ. We're standing in order to hear what he's saying. He says, this is the strategy. This is the way of walking it. The soldier idea who is also your messenger and minister to my needs. So Paproditus takes the letter and runs with it at first because he was longing. No, Paproditus, no doubt, was a hard-working person. He probably pushed himself a bit. We don't know exactly what the sickness, verse 27, indeed he was sick, to the point of death. We don't know if he was sick because of being overworked. We don't know for sure if he was sick because something came upon him, but uh, it's no fun to be sick. At the same time, <coughs> to the point of death. But Paul says God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me. Can you imagine what Paul, Paul had lost his brother while he was in prison, what he would have felt like. He would have felt like, now what? What would be plan B? Isn't it interesting? God is merciful. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. What was Paul describing? He was describing his... His place, his place, he was in prison. And while he was in prison, he described earlier that he was, he was proud, he was glad that the gospel was being proclaimed. You see, when, even when we're not able to do ministry per se, even when we're not able to be on a mission field somewhere per se, we have a mission field right here. We have people that we meet in the, in the marketplaces day by day. You have ministry. And so what Paul's attitude was is, I'm going to make the best of it. By the way, the whole 
tons of, th probably thousands of, uh, the, the guards heard the message by watching Paul, seeing him in attitude. Remember these guys? Remember another time when Paul and Silas were in jail? Remember that time when they were in the stocks and, and one of them says, well, let's sing. I think it was Silas. They began singing hymns at midnight. The jailer is over here. And now he's curious. How can these guys be singing songs in their predicament? What is it that makes you tick? Where is your strength? God causes the earthquake. Shackles are on their unloose. They, they walk out of the place. The jailer comes and falls before him. What must I do to be saved? In other words, what is it that you have? I want it. Whoever you have, I want it. I need it. That is the genuineness of a faith walk with Jesus. So now we get to these verses. We come down because we speak about a man who, who is ready to, to give his life. I think he's a Paproditus. We don't know a lot about him, but he was, he was Christ-like. He, 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 he came to the point of death, though he didn't die. God had mercy on him, but he was spending himself. He was allowing himself to be spent for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the soldiers. Thank God for the military people that helped our freedom in this country, but also thank God for the soldiers of the cross who wherever they were called, they were willing to lay down, give up their homes and, and, the, and the things that we have in this land and go to a foreign place or go to a local place or go to a small place or go to a small village or go to a back road in our county somewhere and find a need. I love that story when Philip was preaching and spirit says go down this road I think the road was Gaza and there's a man there trying to understand the scriptures he didn't tell no picture but when he got there he could see and he asked him this question what are you reading well I'm trying to read he was reading Isaiah but he didn't understand what he's reading he says I, I, how am I going to understand unless someone helps me and it's filled jumped aboard, he preached Jesus, he talked about Jesus. The Jesus crosses denomination, Jesus crosses religiousness. Jesus gets into the heart. And the whole idea, this whole message, this whole book of Philippians boils all down again to the attitude of Christ. How can we portray, how can we demonstrate to a world that is fed up about, about phoniness and falseness and lies and confusion? And they're looking for something who will speak the truth. What is truth? We must live it out and we will with Christ's help. We demonstrate it's not how high you jump. I heard this back in college, it's not how high you jump. With how you walk straight. It's how you walk. Demonstrate your Christ-likeness. So now finally, verse chapter 3, finally, all often goes back to this phrase, rejoice in the Lord. 
Have you ever tried that when you're kind of going through something? Rejoice. We have reason to rejoice if everything was turned upside down, we'd still have reason to rejoice. Though it's hard to rejoice when things are turned upside down in your life. But it takes as a discipline to think on that which is good, that which is pure, that which is lovely, that plots later in the book. But he describes the attitude. This is how we get out of our whole, so to speak, that we may be in. You begin to rejoice. Lift up your eyes, the psalmist said unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. If it wasn't for the Lord that was helping us, where would we be? How gracious the Lord has been to us in this country. Because some people took their stand. The grace of God has been upon us, but we need to keep praying. Oh, God, help America. Oh, God, help our land. Oh, God, help those who are making decisions that are going to determine the direction of much of our culture. You see, the Lord, He knows the battle. The Bible says the battle belongs to the Lord. Right? I'm no match. I can't fight the battle alone. We as a church, we as brothers and sisters of the Lord, soldiers of the cross, we will get farther together than by ourselves. You see, there's always been the adversary, the enemy, trying to mess up God's plans. But isn't it interesting that God over and over has still proven himself, Satan, be gone. Even when Peter was uh, all excited when Jesus was talking about going to die, Peter's like, no, 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 not you. What did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. That was powerful. Jesus knew his purpose. Scripture says he set his face a flint. Like, in other words, he was locked in. He was intentional. He was purposeful. He knew. He emptied himself. Jesus already died to himself before he got to the cross. How does that work? You see, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed so intensely, giving himself over to the Father, giving himself up, surrendering, though he was agonizing, going through what he was going to face to the cross. But he comes to this place, it's not my will, but your will be done. And it's similar to what Paul is describing. If I'm going to see how things turn out with me, he has this intent. He has this heart. But sometimes our heart's intent, sometimes our heart gets hurt. Sometimes our intentions uh, uh, are one way, but God has another plan. Or he brings us another route around the place. Why? Could it be that he's working 
in us so that he can work through us more effectively. That he's developing your heart. He's developing how you think. He's developing how you see people and you see them as a potential. And you start to see the, the potential that they have in Christ rather than the problems that they have because of sin. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? You start to see differently. You start to see the potential that they could be transformed. And I like that word because that's a God thing. God transforms people. God changes hearts so that they become what they ought to be. Then they do what they ought to be. That's reverse sometimes. We get that reverse. Oh, you got to do these things. You got to do these things before you can become a Christian. Wait a minute. I can't do those things. I need the help of the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes we get confused. And sometimes we're, we're still growing. And we're all growing. And I, I thought of this simple phrase. We're all in progress. I think I referred to the fact of the message last time was that I'm a work in progress. In other words, what we're getting to in this chapter that Paul describes this whole list of things of credentials, that he was a Pharisee, he was taught by the greatest, he was under all the, he understood the law front and back. To zeal, he was a persecutor, he was thinking he was doing God a service by killing Christians until Jesus came to him and interrupted his life and actually was intervention. Intervention. God intervened in my family, to my, to my grandpa, to my grandpa, my dad's father, who was distraught over his, my great-grandma, grandpa passing away as a result of being drunk. And the minister didn't want to do his service because he was drunkard. And grandpa sought the Lord, and Jesus revealed himself to him. This is way back. And as a result, my dad was influenced by being raised in a godly home and learned very young on that God, the Holy Spirit, is real. And Grandpa was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Grandpa spoke in a different language. And Grandpa embraced the Lord that way. And so my dad was influenced thus his brother went to Aiken where I grew up. And my mom met the Lord through the church plant. Married my dad. So thus, I'm a product of a church plant, really. Someone has always paid the price. If you look across America and you see the churches, you see the communities, someone had to have a call in their life and say, yes, I'm going to go in. I'm going to, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to shoulder with the Lord. Whether God calls you to plant a church or to be a part of that church, go for it. We need each other. We need the body of Christ. It's not a one-man show. It has to do with well, Paul described all this stuff that he had, that he boils it all down to this one thing. And I love this verse. This has become one of those verses in my life, personally, that this is something I can hang my coat on. This is something that, that'll help me. Verse 10, that I might know him. That I may know him. 
I can know about God, but still not know him. How do I get to know him? I must seek him. I must call on him. I must listen. And I must obey. You see, it's, I'm sure I've missed his voice many times. Looking back on it, I'm sure I've, I've missed this small, still, small voice. But there are times when I've, I've, I've got it. And I knew it. It was clear. Well, would it, could it be that God is massaging and making, renewing, pressing us sometimes, testing us sometimes? Will we, work, will we walk by our own feeling or will we walk by our faith in the one in spite of what we feel like? He said, God's word is true. Believe and you shall be saved. Well, I don't feel saved. Believe on the Lord and you shall be saved. And all that, don't misunderstand me. I love, I love to feel God. I've, I've tasted the Lord. I, I, I often will just want to ball in his presence. Many times it's an overwhelming sense of his grace. Oh, his grace, his mercy. An overwhelming sense that I don't measure up. And this is what Paul helped me with, especially in my teenage years, young manhood years. That is not by your works. He says it's not because of what you know, it's who you know. And Paul says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, be conformed. He goes on to say, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not there yet. But I forget what lies behind. Friends, we can't go back and fix tomorrow, yesterday. We can't go back and fix tomorrow. Stop trying to do that. Me, speaking to me, I can't fix. This is a going forward thing. It can only go forward. So this is, this is how we're going to conclude. Our attitude is this. Christ went before me. He gave his life a ransom. He allowed me to hear the message. He allowed me to respond to him. And that's what he wants us to do, just respond to him. Just to say, yes, here I am. All of me, all that I am, all my fears, all my fears. Anna, you got a song that uh, you're playing. And uh, I'm just going to, do we have help with this song? see Austin here so I don't know if we can do this but we'll play it anyway it's a new wine in the crushing pressing you're making new wine begin to sing that and believe God today